Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 155, Being Yourself with Dr. Robert Solomon. You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. So my guest in this episode is Dr. Bob Solomon, and we're talking about being yourself. So this topic is something that we both are sort of ridiculously excited about. <laughs> we, we talk about it in the episode, how this all came about. Bob was sharing in the Little School of Big Change community. He was one of our guest speakers. And, and the topic of this, like how we, how we come to just be conditioned away from what we want and what we like and what lights us up, how we come to be conditioned away from that, from families and societies and religions and all the rules, all the stuff we should do. And and what the effects of that are, you know, when we when we're told from the time we're little, it starts in our families of say please and say thank you and be grateful and go give that aunt a hug. Even if we don't want to hug someone, we're told to do it anyway and be a good girl and a good boy and all of that stuff that is so well-meaning. It's it's what happens. It's what we all do. I'm conditioning my kids in similar ways. It's not like this is something that that is avoidable. But you can start to see how from a very, very, very early age, all of our kind of hunches and what feels right to us are sort of set aside for what we're supposed to do. And then we leave our families or we get exposed to the the world outside of our families and that world picks up where our families left off. You know, that now there are societal rules and expectations and here's what you do to be okay. And over time, little by little, it's like we are essentially taught, you know, it doesn't really matter what you want. Here's what you need to like and do with your life. And here are the things that make you a good person and that will lead to your happiness and survival and security in the world. And your ideas aren't so important. And, and it, again, starts in these little circles and just expands out. And the effects of this, although every single human being I know, especially in, in some cultures more than others, I suppose, but everyone, all of us, I think, are subject to this. So again, it's not a thing we're saying we should avoid or or that it shouldn't be the case. It just is. It's just part of human life. But when we're when we're subject to all this conditioning and we don't realize it, we don't realize that we've been told how to be and that we don't need to listen to that. You know, we don't realize that our parents' ideas about about what would keep us safe and happy are not necessarily the truth. And they may completely clash with our ideas about what we want. When we don't realize that, we just live at the mercy of this conditioning. And and what Bob and I, part of the reason why we're so passionate about this is that what we see over and over again is that it's that exactly that serves as the kind of underlying 
cause for eventual anxiety and depression and chronic pain and so many issues that people struggle with. Feeling disconnected, feeling alone, not knowing what you want. People say, I don't even know what makes me happy. I don't even know what I want to do. It's because we've spent so long not listening to it and listening to the rules and living from our heads. So another way of talking about being yourself is living from your heart versus living from your head. What we'll talk about is heart-centered living versus head-centered living. Um, and it, and it, you know, it leads to people-pleasing and approval-seeking and ignoring yourself and all kinds of not good things in life, not nice things in life. And I know this sounds kind of negative. So the positive side of this that we'll talk about in this episode is that we can turn it around. That yes, we have lifetimes of conditioning that we're up against, but at the same time, what we're turning it around toward, what we're looking toward is innate. It's deeper than the conditioning. We may feel it less frequently, but it is it is there waiting for us. And so it's paradoxically, it's kind of both easy and hard to do, to turn it around, you know, but, but we can turn it around and we've both seen people turn it around. And in fact, starting in July, Bob and I are teaching a course together that I'm so excited about. That's all about turning it around, how we turn this around and see the conditioning for what it is and start to live more from a heart centered, authentic, what feels right to us in the moment sort of way. And the benefits of turning around are ginormous. Not only does it mean the end and the absence of all that other stuff we said, people pleasing, approval seeking, anxiety, all of that, but it's like when we just live from what feels right to us, things click into place. It may not happen instantly, but it does start to happen. I think there is this bigger momentum in life that like, like life is not hard. Life is not hard. When it feels hard, we're living from rules and from our heads and from all that conditioning. When we aren't doing that so much, life feels easy. And I'm not saying that circumstances are all easy and everything goes your way. It's just that you know what to do. You have this guidance that you're tapped into. And for me, most of it is like we just feel connected. And I mean connected to something within yourself, connected to other people, connected to the world around us and the planet. You wouldn't do harmful things to yourself, others, or the planet. And it's not a, oh my gosh, let me change my ways and and do it, start being a different way. You know, it's natural. When we feel that connection, we just live from that connection. So you can tell now <laughs> how passionate I am about this. And Bob is just as passionate, if not more. So uh, I think you'll enjoy this conversation. It's, um, I loved it and he loved it. We love talking about this. And I, I kind of want to say there's not much that's more important than this conversation uh, in terms of a place that human beings can look. So I hope you get a lot out of it. And if you want to dive much deeper into how to turn this around and what that looks like and feels like, really, it's really what it feels like. Um, please consider joining us for the course for our being yourself course. It starts July 21st and I just can't wait. I think it's going to be great. So enjoy this episode with Bob Solomon. Hi, Bob. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable. You're welcome. I'm really excited about being here. 
and talk yeah. to you. Yeah, me too. I'm excited about this um, this conversation about a topic that I know we both love, uh, being yourself. So we can you can share your experience of this too, but I guess maybe just to let listeners know kind of why why we're talking about this and uh, and we we both might be a little giddy because we love this topic. Um, so uh, this is my memory of it and you tell me what you remember. But but uh, Bob talked to uh, the Little School Big Change community, what, maybe like four or five months ago now. Yeah. Um, and, and as we were just chatting, I think to, to uh, prep that conversation, or maybe it was actually in the conversation, we just sort of very vaguely stumbled on this whole thing of like being yourself, like, like, oh, that's a, that's a thing. Like people are not themselves <laughs> and there's a, and there's a lot of conditioning and learned stuff. And we don't even know that we're not being ourselves half the time. And what I remember is that you, you were talking about it and just seeing like your face light up <laughs> like you, and I was like, oh, he likes this topic. And I do too. I've always just, I, I just think it's, you know, we talk with people all day, every day, every day. And this is beneath kind of everything. It's like, how are we being so inauthentic? And we don't want to be, but somehow it feels like we all are a lot of times. So anyway, I just saw your excitement and then, and then and we kind of took it from there. So maybe you have a different memory of that. I, I remember, I do remember that. And, you know, I, I, um, I remember that was such a great conversation. And, and when you pointed that out to me, I went, Wow, you sort of invited me to kind of think about that more and reflect on that more, which I think it's such an incredibly important subject to focus our attention on and to be aware of. And I think um, one of the reasons is, is because, you know, we're born authentic and then we, um, we get conditioned out of it. And, and it starts from the very beginning when we're so little, you know say please, say thank you. And a little kid would sort of mimic something, you know, this sort of like a little parrot or something like that, you know, doesn't know what it means, you know, and it's sort of kind of genuine way to what that really means to have gratitude for something like that. So it starts like with just something like that and just goes on and on endlessly. And we become something that we're really not, you know, we're, yeah. we become this story of who we're supposed to be rather than who we really are. And we don't even realize it. That's the thing. It's so easy to not even realize it. Um, it becomes invisible to us. Yeah. Until we start to awaken and become aware that, oh, I don't think I'm being me. It's so crazy when you say it that way, because it is. It's like it is everywhere and in, in such innocent ways and in, in ways that we're not going to necessarily change. Since you and I have been talking about this, I've been so much more aware of conditioning my own kids <laughs> and turning <laughs> them away from their own authenticity. But in a way it's like, well, yeah, we live in a world. Of course I'm going to try to get them to have manners. Of course I'm going to tell them to use a fork when they're eating, you know, food that requires a fork. And, you know, but since we've been talking about this more and more, it's like, oh, there it is again. So it's, it's in those little ways, you know, and then like you said, it kind of feels like it, it snowballs. And then now kids are like, oh, well, there's a right and wrong. They told me to do it this way and not that way. And it, then it's almost like their little minds are looking everywhere, you know, like, well, where's the right and wrong in this? I like 
ballet instead of soccer. Is that right? Is that wrong? I like, you know, and so it's like, oh, then it just takes over. And so you can feel just with you're saying that, like we lose touch with ourselves. So we get into focusing more on out there in terms of what do I have to do to please you or to be acceptable or to be okay, to check all the boxes. So somehow I'll be okay in this world or something like that. And the result of that is that we lose touch with ourselves, and we lose touch with life and we lose touch with who we really are. And we lose touch with the wholeness of who we really are. And that's what I think is so important to try to get back to is that because that's what life is all about is be connected with that. And that's how people all always live. This is, 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 is that authentically connected with ourselves, connected with nature, not disconnected in, in this, all the supposed to's in life to be an okay person in this, in this world. And, And the thing is, is that, the culture that we live in pulls us in so many different ways to be this certain way. And the whole basis of our economy, this, our Western economy, is, is based on trying to get people to buy stuff and trying to get people to see that, oh, if only you had, this is the way to be. You mean, you mean you're that now? You mean you're wearing this? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's last year's style. No, 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 no. You have to be this to be kind of fit in and cool and hip and that sort of thing. You're out of it. You have to be this. And somehow if you're not that, but you're not okay, I guess, right? That's what we live in. And so we try to fit in. And every time we do this, we lose, we kind of sell our souls to kind of fit into this world. And we become more and more inauthentic. And there's so many layers of it. Like you said, you know, we, it's, we want to make our parents happy to start. And because that, like you mentioned too, that feels like safety and security. We need them yeah. to survive. So this is like, this is kind of hardwired into our psychology anyway, into our physicalness. Um, so yeah, we, it starts with making people around us happy and then it expands out. Now we're trying to make our friends happy and now we're trying to, to fit in with our culture and society and then we're bombarded with advertising and then, yeah, it just goes on and on and on. So like these, it feels like it starts with this little circle and then the circle expands out to these giant circles and it's everywhere. You know, you're reminding me of something, I, you know, and I thought about this is that kind of what were the origins or beginnings of my inauthenticity? And I think it began with my trying to please my parents. And I think it came from, I think I screwed up, I think for a variety of reasons that I, I was afraid of like being left. There was an insecurity I had about that. And so I felt like I had to do what my mother or my parents wanted me to do or risk being left, which of course for a child is catastrophic. I mean, you can't survive without your parents. Yeah. So I became what quote unquote is called a people pleaser or a good little boy. So I became very externally focused, tried to check all the boxes, tried to do what I was supposed to do, tried to be good. Yeah. And I was great at being good. 
Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You learn how to play the game, right? So and oh, then you yeah. get some reinforcement for that. Like, good boy, you know, you got the right grades, you're making the right choices. And the reinforcement just kind of really kicks it into high gear because you don't want to lose that. I was a pro. <laughs> if anyone wants to know how to be good, they can come and talk to me about that. So how does that, how, <laughs> when did you think, when do you think you kind of recognized, oh gosh, like, yeah, I'm getting the gold stars, but this isn't really, this isn't making me happy. Yeah, I'll tell you exactly when it was. Um, it was the really the beginning of it. So in my family, part of being good and fitting in, not only my family, but my culture is growing up. It's, and my parents didn't necessarily say this to me, but I just felt it, that I was supposed to be either a lawyer, a doctor, or a businessman. So my father was a successful lawyer and I knew I didn't want to do that because that felt like too much. Like I didn't want to compete with him or anything. That felt too unsafe. So when I was in 10th grade, I, I liked biology and I decided because I liked biology, I wanted to be a doctor. Wow. I wanted to be a doctor because I liked biology. Thank goodness. I've checked the box. They, you know, yeah. I had no idea what it meant to be a doctor, but at least thank goodness you know, people could be happy with me, or at least in my mind. So the short story of that is that, um, you know, I did everything I could to, you know, worked hard in college and did all the pre-med and got into medical school. And, and as soon as I got into medical school, and my mother was, oh my gosh, so incredibly excited I got into medical school because, wow, I was going to be a doctor. And my heart sank because then I realized I had to go through with this thing. And I was too afraid to say I didn't want to do it because what would my mother do? Would she leave me? Would she disown me? Would she see I was had those fears, right? Yeah. So what ended up happening was I'll just briefly say this is that, you know, when I got to medical school, I almost quit. But get but but what ended up happening was I ended up getting my own therapy because I was so depressed that I got into medical school. <laughs> and so I almost quit medical school, didn't went through medical school, some I got through, wasn't ready to didn't like any of my rotations, including psychiatry, which I eventually went into. And, um, and then what ended up happening was, is that I um, did research for a little while. And then I, and then I, for two years, didn't like that, too afraid to say anything. Then I started an internship in internal medicine, a residency in internal medicine at Baylor. And after two weeks, I was so miserable. I finally said enough's enough. And I stopped and I quit. And I never thought I'd go back into medicine again. Hmm. And that was the start of my saying no to that conditioned way of being to do what I thought I was supposed to be to be acceptable. It literally, I hit a wall. I hit a brick wall with this incredible unhappiness. And, and, um, and I was, it was quite a time because I was so depressed, so anxious. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. And finally, it was a long story of, uh, I ended up going back to, moving back to the Bay Area, went back to college, to classes and different things, doing what I wanted to do, what I was interested in exploring and continued in my own therapy. And the story was just briefly is that um, I met the person that became my wife. And after about six months of knowing her, one of the things that she liked about me that she was attracted to, she thought I was a good listener, which is interesting. But one day we were talking and she said, Bob, have you ever thought of becoming a psychiatrist? 
this light bulb went off in my head and I went, oh my gosh, I realized I wanted to be a psychotherapist. And I realized how much I loved being in therapy, how much I benefited from it. And I, I wanted to, to do that. I mean, and, and I spent some time checking it out that that's what I wanted to do. And it's been a wonderful choice, you know, and that's what I ended up doing. We got married and I did my residency. And, um, but the point of the story is that, I mean, I went from living a life of completely doing what I was supposed to do, being this good little boy, being a doctor, checking all the boxes until I hit the wall. I couldn't do it one more second. And I left and I went through a period of several years where I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it was really a period of finding, going inside of myself and finding what was right for me, which I found in psychiatry, which is, and being a psychotherapist, being a therapist, basically, and um, which has been such an incredible gift. And it's such a different way of living more authentically. It was authentically what I genuinely wanted to do, which is a night and day. So that was the beginning. Sorry, this was a long-winded way of saying that story, but... No, it's great. But I mean, so that, because that's great because I think everybody has their own somewhat version of that. And I love that, like, we hit a wall. We do. It gets to a point where we just can't go any further, and then sometimes yeah. we still go further. <laughs> so the wall for a lot of people is depression, anxiety, chronic pain, health issues, eating disorders, whatever it might be. And that's so huge to see. That's the universal bit. I think already people can relate to your story, but we can all see this for ourselves. You know, that wall happens and thank God for the wall, even though we don't always heed the warning. We don't always know what it's showing us. It just looks like another way we're not good enough sometimes. You know, like, great, now I'm anxious. Now I'm depressed. Let me fix this problem. But, but I think listeners here are onto this enough to see, oh yeah, that wall is there because that's us not being authentic and we can't do that forever. Yep. That's exactly. Yeah. And, and it was literally a wall. I, I can remember I said to myself, I can't go on one more second. Yeah. And I went to the person that was head of my apartment. I said, I need to leave. Wow. I mean, how cool that we have that built in, you know, that we will, that we can't go on one more second, that there's like a safety net in there built in to not yeah. let us go on forever. Here's an interesting, this is just a side point that I'll just share that part of my fear of actually doing that earlier was because I was so afraid that I was going to be, people would be upset with me, I'd be rejected and that sort of thing. Yeah. So the person that was head of my department I went to was so incredibly supportive and so incredibly kind. He said, I understand. He said, you could come back anytime you want. And when I told my mother, who was my biggest fear, telling her, which I didn't tell, by the way, for three months, quite contrary to my biggest fear, which was I'd be rejected. Or she was so incredibly understanding and, mm-hmm. and accepting and supportive. Which highlights exactly, right? Like we make this stuff up. I mean... And we're so sure it's all true, but our mind is making it up. Yes, (laughs) that's great to see. It's interesting when you talk about that. I'll just share a tiny bit of mine because I think uh, it's funny when you uh, talk about you know what you should do career wise and all that. Um, I didn't have any of that. Neither of my parents went to college. Uh, I think if anything, there was a little uh, like, oh, we're not college kind of people. Like we're not, if anything, I, I felt like I've taken a risk by going into my chosen career. Like that actually has been more authentic because it would, I would have fit in a lot more with my family if I, you know, did something else. 
Um, but what they did care about was how you look. And, uh, mm. you know, from, yeah, from, from an early age, from both of them, comments about how other people look and what's that person doing and, you know, don't gain too much weight and all of that kind of stuff. And so, you know, that, that was my thing. And it, I don't know, this crazy that this is just sort of hitting me right now as we're talking about this. Like, did I not realize that? But, you know, that ended up being a big wall for me as an eating disorder. And I honestly never really put it together that much. Um, but that those messages are just there. Yeah. Yep. And they're, they're everywhere. Yeah. In order to, uh, to be in, you have to look a certain way. Yeah. And the thing that's scary is, sorry, is that our whole economic system is based on that selling us stuff and, and really, and really um, the whole system is based on showing us how we're not okay, how we're not enough, how we're not good enough. Yeah. And if only you had this outside of yourself, of course, that's the answer. Yeah. And that's how we become inauthentic. So what is that? We talked about some of these walls and some of these ways that we start to wake up to the fact that we really aren't being authentic. I mean, and you mentioned being a people pleaser. I think that's a one, a huge one. Um, just so people listening can kind of recognize how this is showing up, like their signs that are showing up for them. So caring so much about approval, being a people pleaser, um, and then others that we've talked about before, kind of this, I love the the thing of sort of feeling like a chameleon, you know, if you notice yeah. yourself having different, a different you <laughs> for the different yep. groups or settings, that's a big one, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. You know, my, my biggest fear was always someone yelling at me. That was, I was terrified of that. So I, oh, so being inauthentic is going in and trying to make sure that I'm a certain way so that no one's upset with me and they would yell at me or be upset with me. Yeah. Because then they could leave. I guess I think that's what it is, right? Yeah. And that's so old, you know? And the thing is, it's, Part of um, part of moving beyond this is realizing that yes, at that point in time, that was a reality. That if my, you know, if I wasn't a certain way, if I wasn't acceptable, that you know, I did I did depend on my parents, and if they left, I'd be in trouble. Yeah. But the thing is, as we get older, we become adults. That's not the reality anymore. Yeah. But we, but we. But it's so ingrained in us to be that way that we continue to do it. And so what we're really needing is, you know, a computer needs a re-updating. We need to re-update ourselves and see what's really true. Now, the truth is, of course, we can take care of ourselves. We're not relied on our parents. Yeah. And there is no like societal judge that's going to come down and kick you out of culture or kick you out of your family or anything. And that, but that is how it feels. I know. And the truth is the only one that does that is us. Yeah. 
through our own judgments. It's cool to see how universal these are too. Like we each kind of gravitate toward our own. We have our own little spin on the story. But like when you said that about being afraid to be yelled at, like that's my husband's big time. <laughs> like I uh, notice it all the time. Like if a driver, you know, he doesn't want a driver to like get mad. Like he needs to like yeah. hurry up and swerve into traffic. Like he wants everybody to just be peaceful and happy. But I think we all, you know, we have our own little tweaks on these, but they're also very sort of universal because like you said, they totally. they all come down to like, don't kick me out of the tribe. I need this, I need this connection to survive. Yeah. And, you know, I will just, I'm, I'm sure your husband would say this too <clears throat> for myself. That is such a yicky feeling to feel that way. Yeah. You know, that I need to be a certain way or someone's going to yell at me or something and to be afraid all the time. Yeah. Oh, that's this. One of the things that's so wonderful about becoming more authentic is such a good feeling. It's so freeing. It's so liberating to, to be that, to feel you can be yourself. You can just be who you are and to be who you were created to be and not worry about how you show up. Yeah. It's just such a relief to be that. There's so much anxiety that we create around trying to please other people and to be a inauthentic, this inauthentic way. <clears throat> we don't even realize how much energy it takes yeah. until we start to become more authentic and we realize how much energy we free up to something that's so much more productive. That's not how we were created to be. That's not our purpose in life is to please other people. The purpose of our lives is to be, is to be and live, live the gifts that we were create that we were endowed with. That's our purpose. That's and so other, true. Such a waste. Yeah, and you do the 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 energy and the time and all of that that it takes. I mean, even time. People, I someone just told me last week she. She used to be so in her head trying to manage everything and be the right way and be the right thing and all of that. And she's really woken up to that. And now she like started a business. She's gone back to a job she had before. She has kids that she's more involved with. She's like, I have all this time and energy. And all yeah. that happened is I just quit trying to make everyone else happy. Yes. Because, yeah, go ahead. And, and the thing about that is, is that to please other people, you become externally focused. So again, you lose touch with yourself. Yeah. You lose touch with your own wisdom and your own guidance. And that guidance is to share what our soul is meant to, is meant to be in this world or wants to be in this world and how we are meant to share our gifts in this world. So we just lose this connection to who and what we are and what we were, again, what we were meant to do in this world. That's the beauty of, of being authentic. It's such an incredible, good, powerful feeling. Such a beautiful feeling. It's totally, totally different yeah. than this other way. And it's, and it's easy. And it's like, it's not easy sometimes to, I, I think we can talk about this, but it's not always easy to start to live that way because we're so used to living the other way. But it's so it's sort of like this interesting paradox. Like it feels very hard and very scary, but at the same time, like you're saying, it's the most natural thing in the world. So right. it's like we get a little whiff of it, you get a little taste of it, and you're like, "Hello, this is what I've been missing." Like, yeah, like things come together. You feel synchronicities. You feel deeper connection. 
with people. That's the, that's another really interesting irony in this is that we spend so much time being externally focused so that they'll like us and and it creates this giant disconnect between us and other people because we don't even know what the heck we're not tapped into anything authentic in us. We're right. just puppets. We're just trying to play a role to make people say right. some words that we think mean approval. And there's no real connection. So that's another one that I think is so cool that yes, when we start to live in this more authentic way, we're more fulfilled and we have more energy and we just, everything is simpler, but we also feel this deeper connection with other people, with all of life. Yes, exactly. We're living the way we're meant to live life which is in connection to ourselves and to others in life. That's, and, and that's what life is about. And the feeling that goes along with that is a feeling of joy and exuberance and well-being. Yeah, which, which reinforces that way of living. So we're, we're living a life of in, in cooperation with ourselves and, and others in harmony, not this other inauthentic way, which, is, which our culture the society promotes me against you, this more competitive way of living, this more cutthroat. And it's because we live in a life of disconnection. So we feel not enough. So we feel we need more and more and more and more. And it's me against you and there's not enough. So either I get it or you get it. But it's not true. You see, when we live a life of authenticity, when we connect to the whole, we see that there is enough. And we become mutually supportive of one another. And we live in cooperation with one another and in harmony with one another. That's the way we're meant to live. It's such a more beautiful, peaceful way of living. This other way is so stressful. Yeah. We don't even realize it. And we're like, I don't know if you know, we might've talked about this, that image of the hungry ghost. Do you know the hungry ghost? I think it's a Japanese thing. It's like, there's a picture that goes with it. It's this giant blob with a teeny, its mouth is like a pinprick. It's like this teeny tiny mouth and it just can't be satisfied. It's Uh just like more, more, more. And that's how we are, right? It's like, but but what you're saying is so big because that's because we're externally focused. There's never enough, never, ever will we get it right that way. Will we feel satisfied? But, But when we stop all that stuffing and searching, that, and we start to live from our heart, which by the way, that's another way of saying everything we're saying, living from your head versus your heart. Yes. It's like, oh, it's here already. Yes. You know, uh, I, I, I'll say it a, a, a different way. Yes, being authentic is living a heartfelt life, living from your heart. And that's when we connect to the true essence of who and what we are. We live from our wisdom and we live from this very genuine way of living. And um, I forgot what I was going to say. I had a thought and then I just forgot. <laughs> well, maybe it'll come back. So, so yeah. as we kind of wrap up a little bit, like how, what are some ways that, you know, that we can, can just be open to making that switch? Like when people are listening to this saying, yes, I get it. I feel disconnected. I don't know what I want in life. Clearly I'm, you know, living in my conditioning. Uh, Maybe we could just touch on a couple little things, just very high level. For me, the most important thing is just to be aware of what we're even talking about. Yeah. That there is a way of living authentically, a more heartfelt way. And there's a way of living more inauthentically, more in our head. Just being aware of that 
and what that feels like. And it is a feeling. To live more in our head from how we're supposed to live is a more, there's a certain tension that we have as a result of of living that way. Because you have to be on guard. Am I doing it right? Am I doing it wrong? There's no ease. There's no flow. You see, when we're living more in our heart, there's a, there's a flow. And that's the key thing to, to living a life of well-being is to live in flow. To live a life of, of, of inauthentic, inauthenticity is to live a life more of stuckness. And you can feel the difference and experientially to be aware of when am I living in my heart from a place of, well, caring for one another and wanting to be helpful to other people, wanting to be in cooperation with one another, as opposed to life is all about me and getting more and more and more. You can feel the difference, see? And um, this is some of the ways you become. And by the way, one of the things I wanted to say is, you know, it, it takes courage to live this way. Because our society works is every doing everything it can to move us the other way, and so it it does take courage, and yet it's the most natural thing in the world. Yeah, I love what you said about. No, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say I love what you said about um, getting that feel for it. I think that's huge. It's like we just like feel for it. Yeah, because we're we're blind to it, or and then we start to kind of know in theory, like yeah, I know I've been taught a lot of stuff, and maybe there's a different me in here, you know, but it still feels very far away. But we start to really explore, yes, what does it feel like when you're in your head, and what does it feel like yeah. when you're not living, when you're living from your heart, and that becomes yeah. more embodied. One of the challenges, I think this is true for men and, and, and women, maybe more for men, is that we don't value living in our heart. Like for a man in particular, you're supposed to be tough and macho and, you know, competitive. And I think it's true for a lot of women too, you know, living that way. We don't talk about, we don't value so much caring for one another and being cooperative. How can I be helpful to you? living a more heartfelt way. So we don't, we don't, I'm not saying it's nowhere, but in general, it's not something that's reinforced. So it, it's more um, uh, challenging to, yeah. to, to find it in ourselves, that more sensitive way of living. Um, so, but that's what we're trying to cultivate is a more a greater sensitivity, which we find in our heart. And so a sensitivity to our wisdom to what wants to flow through us and to live that way, which is a more delicate way of living, to be able to, dis- to decipher nuances in life. Yeah. Rather than just black and white, you know, what our rational yeah. mind does. Yeah. What I love, I talk about this a lot, what wants to happen versus what our mind tells us is supposed to be happening or should be happening. Exactly. Love that. And not be so in control of things. Yeah. To, yeah. So anyways, these are some of the things to be able to live a more authentic life is to be aware of it, to have a feel for it. There's different kinds of practices one can do and different things that one can do to kind of be more and more aware of this. And, and I, I think the other thing is it takes, a certain, it takes a certain willingness and dedication. It's a practice. It's because we're so ingrained the other way. You have to want it. Yeah. I guess what it has to be important to you. Yeah. 
Well, I think that's a great segue into talk a little bit about the course that we're going to do, which I'm oh, super, okay. super excited about. So, oh. um, yeah. So when we realized we had this shared interest in this topic, uh, we decided to to do a course about it. So a lot of what we'll explore in this three-week course, um, it's going to be three sessions, three consecutive weeks, and uh, it's open to 20 people only. So we want to keep it fairly small. So there's a lot of time for interaction and and sharing, even, you know, like we shared in this conversation, like having these insights, like seriously, this wasn't planned. But when Bob started talking about how he remembers being conditioned and all the stuff, you know, and then hitting that wall, it was like, oh yeah, here's my version of that, you know? And I think that's what happens when we get in groups and talk about this kind of stuff. So exploring, yeah, where this came from, what it feels like, how to recognize it. And then most importantly, what you were just saying, I think, is how do we start to shift? How do we start to really wake up to the other way? And it's doable. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Totally. We can become more authentic if we want to and if it's important to us. Yeah. That's the key. Yeah. So I'm I excited. Think, yeah. This I'm very be passionate great. about it because I think it's so important for our world mm-hmm. to to it's it for the, the well-being of our of our world, it's so important that we become more authentic. As many people as possible. Because because why? Like when we're all living that way, that can't not change social issues and all kinds of stuff, right? Of course. Yeah. Because we're living in our hearts from a place of love and caring for one another and for life and the world and for nature. Yeah. But they're not living in competition, doggy dog world. That's the problem. We're living in harmony with one another. That's the way life is. That's the way it's always been. That's the way indigenous cultures live. It's getting back to that. This other way, this other way is totally not working. Oh, I know what I was going to say before. (laughs) I knew it'd come back. (laughs) And, and, you know, this has something to do with my, you know, my, my background is so many of, I think what we're talking about in terms of the biggest problem, the biggest cause of all the, we'll call the mental health issues all the depression, anxiety, the stress, so much of what we're dealing with, this epidemic levels, I really believe comes from living inauthentically. Mm-hmm. So this is huge. If we could get back to this way of living, it would, it would, it would have monumental change in our world. I agree. And we've both seen it. I mean, on a personal level, you've seen people make these shifts and depression, anxiety, chronic pain, all of that clears up. And then, and I love just thinking like, wow, on this personal level, and then you can just move down this scale again, like a widening circle to like then families and relationships are better. And then societies and bigger groups function together. And then exactly what you're saying, when there's no competition and there's no fear and there's no lack, of course, we'd be kind to our planet. Of course, it would get out to the biggest circles possible. Of course, of course. This is very fundamentally, critically important what we're talking about. That's why I'm so passionate. I mean, you're so passionate about it. Yeah, so fun. I'm excited. Yeah, so we'll share. I'll share a link to where you can see more about the course that we'll be doing. It starts uh, July 21st. 
And again, it's three, uh, three weeks, three consecutive weeks, and we'll be exploring all of this in a lot of detail with lots of time for interaction and coaching and sharing and all of that. And um, yeah, it's going to be great. Yep. Cool. Thanks so much right. for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you. From the time where little tiny children were being told how to be, people say, be a good girl, be a good boy say please, be grateful, do the right thing. And although this is incredibly well-meaning and it's just what we do, it's also the beginning of us being led away from what feels right to us. It's the beginning of us being led away from natural, heart-centered living to rule-based, head-centered living. And this is just the beginning. Our societies and religions and political systems pick up where our parents and families left off. And over time, the results aren't good. We have people who are people-pleasing, approval-seeking, feeling disconnected from ourselves and others, unfulfilled, unsure what we even like or what we even want. So Bob Solomon and I believe that living inauthentically is at the root of all anxiety, all depression, all chronic pain and addiction. And we know that there's a ton of hope for turning this around and living more from our hearts we can come back to being ourselves more and more, even with the boatloads of conditioning that we're all subject to. And the payoffs of that, that turnaround are amazing from ease and fulfillment, connection with yourself and others and all of life. I mean, it not only changes personal lives, it changes societies and cultures and can save our planet. So Bob and I are a little bit obsessed, to be honest, with this topic. We love talking about it. We've gotten together for so many calls and we just get so excited talking about it. And we can't wait for the three-week course that we're offering around this topic that begins July 21st. So check out dramyjohnson.com slash being yourself for more information on that course and to register. It's going to be an amazing exploration over three weeks. We're capping it at 20 people so that there's a ton of room for sharing and talking and coaching where necessary. And we'd just really love to see you uh, be in this exploration, be on this journey and rediscover what feels authentic to you before and beyond all of the conditioning. So we hope to see you in the course.